I'm so glad you've taken time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas, me, so that you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, keeping people from making money at all? Wait till you hear something that will appall you. I want to talk right now, and I should have said Clark.com is our main website. I want to talk about something that is very disturbing to me. There's new data out about how few renters in the country have renter's insurance. The best guess, somewhere between a third and 40% of people that rent have renter's insurance. You know, if you buy a home, the mortgage company is going to require that you have homeowner's insurance. But when you're a renter, nobody says, hey, by the way, you should really have this renter's insurance. And this comes to mind to me every winter because inevitably there are more apartment fires during the winter. I'm not quite sure why. But it's like every TV news report from an apartment fire says, and the Red Cross is finding temporary housing for the people from this fire Because no one had insurance. So here's the thing. Renter's insurance is unbelievably cheap. It's typically $15 to $20 a month. And what it does is, let's take a common example in an apartment building. The person above you, their toilet overflows. Water comes down, ruins things in your apartment. You don't have renter's insurance? Your stuff's just ruined. It's over. Your place is not good to stay in at that point? Many leases, you're still going to have to pay your rent, and you can't even stay in the place that you're renting because of who knows what happened. With renter's insurance, any normal policy, you have the ability to go have temporary housing and the insurance pays for it while your dwelling becomes occupiable again. Your possessions get stolen. They get burned up in a fire. They get damaged because who knows what happened at the apartment. Most often it's some kind of water problem. You're covered for your stuff if you have renter's insurance. And let me repeat, it's really cheap. Your rent may not be cheap, but renter's insurance is. At $15 to $20 a month, it's a deal for the peace of mind it gets you. And I know there are all kinds of expenses in life. But maybe it means that over the course of 30 days, three times you don't get that latte something or other, and you have the money for the renter's insurance. What is a latte anyway? I don't really even know. I don't drink coffee. My son is obsessed 
with this five and a half dollar Starbucks drink called a strawberry frappuccino. I think that's it. It's like an excuse for a strawberry milkshake at Starbucks, but twice what a milkshake would be or getting a dollar frosty at Wendy's or something. You pay five dollars for it. Anyway, that is so off the track. Just drives me crazy. It's so expensive. But anyway, the point is there are things that are so mundane that we just don't do, but just call whoever writes your automobile insurance and say, hey, I'm a renter. Can you write my renter's insurance? And they say, no, we don't write that, but call so-and-so. They probably will write it, but if they say no, they'll be able to refer you to somebody to get it done. The apartment company you're renting from may push renter's insurance they're selling because they may get commissions from it. And as long as it's reasonably priced and has decent coverage, if you don't want to look any further, I guess you can do that also. Jack joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jack. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Jack. You have a question for me that I may not be able to answer because it could be legal in nature, but let's see how I can do. Clark, I'm the executor of a will that's in probate. Um, I'm at the point where I'm going to distribute around $80,000 plus or minus to the 11 people named in the will, but uh, two of them are minors, and the will states that their money must go into a trust until they turn 25. Oh, Um, Oh, man, wait, 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 wait. 11 people dividing $80,000, so that's $7,000 approximately per recipient. Uh-huh. And you've got to do a trust process for $7,000? Yes. Two of them. Oh, boy. Because, you know, trusts are not cheap to establish. I'm sure not. And they have to have a trust return and all that. Mm-hmm. Is everybody friendly who's involved in this? Yes. Okay. Do you have a lawyer who's advising you on how to handle this? Um, I haven't talked to him, him explicitly about the trust yet. All right. I'd like you to talk to him because what you want to do is you want to see if you have executor um, privilege that would allow you to bust those two trusts before they're established and instead do custodial accounts with a responsible adult being the custodian of the accounts. Oh, okay. The reason is, is that if you have to establish trust for these two kids, and the lawyer will lay this out to you really clearly, the costs involved in setting up those trusts are such that you would be harming the interests, the financial interests, of these two minor children. Hmm. Because the the costs would erode so much of the seven thousand plus dollars over sure. over the time. How old are each of the kids? Uh, one's around ten. One's around three or four. That three or four year old would have likely nothing left by the time they reached age twenty five, just because of the cost of administering um, what I would call a micro trust. That's not what my sister in law had in mind. I'm sure not, and she trusts you, excuse the use of that word in this case, she trusted you to do what was in the best interest of these minor children. 
Sure. And if the lawyer will give you the green light, um, doing an alternative arrangement of a um, custodial account, if you have the discretion as executor to make decisions like that, would be Uh fine. If everybody's friendly and nobody's ever going to come after you, um, this is set as a non-lawyer completely. Understood. Um, It is not at all unreasonable for you to go ahead and ignore that part of the will and just establish those accounts for those kids. Okay, that makes uh, that sounds like something I'll talk to my lawyer about. So I, I know that there are lawyers listening right now who are like, I cannot believe Clark said that. Oh, they're calling your phone right now. Yeah, but, but it is a practical issue that you're putting too much burden on that very young child and that 10-year-old child on this money for them. Well, not to mention the fact that I have to find somebody that wants to be responsible for that for the next 15 years. Right, so So here's an alternative I can suggest. This just occurred Mm -hmm. to me, is if the lawyer would permit you, you could set up a 529 account for each child. Uh Uh, In your family's culture, is college a likely outcome for the 4-year-old and 10-year-old? Oh, I would expect so, yes. So if you set up a 529 account, then you'd be able to completely control this money, you or whoever you would designate to be the owner of the 529 accounts for each of these kids, and you wouldn't have to worry that they could get their hands on it. Right. The problem with what I said with a custodial account is they'd be able to get their hands on it um, when they turned 18 or 21, depending on state law, where the kids would be at that time. Right. So that's why probably the best answer of all is the 529. Okay. But again, you have to have buy-in from the lawyer. That's what that's what you pay him for. Richard's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Richard. Hey, Clark. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, Richard. Good. My wife and I are a little confused. Uh, we have an airline credit card that has increased uh, this year to $190 for renewal. And uh, we were just wondering what uh would happen if we canceled that card well you may be able with the airline card products many times there will be one that you can convert to that's a no annual fee card that the rewards are much less rewarding and that way you don't have a closed account resulting okay so if if we did cancel it what what might be the ramifications on our credit all right, so what happens with your credit is it reduces the avail- the total available credit that goes into computing your credit score. So okay. that's 30% of your actual credit score. Roughly a third is what percent of your available credit you're using. So whatever the credit line is on this card, you pull that out of the mix, your what's known as utilization goes up, because you have less overall available credit, and then your score goes down. So the way I like for you to defeat that is before you don't renew this card for another year, get another card from somebody Okay. so that you create more available credit in your credit profile. And then when you close the account, you eliminate the harm that could occur 
to that roughly third of your credit score. Okay, so we actually did get another card. We don't have very many cards. We try to stay away from them, but we did get a, another card, and uh, but we have uh, haven't canceled the other one yet. So that. So you've already point. done the right proactive step. Now, as far as canceling this uh, this very high annual fee card, how many times a year do you travel on? Is it an airline specific card? It is. It, it is, and we get a. Uh, a plane fare, a free plane fare uh, in the continental U.S. If we actually buy a plane fare, but the cost of the card is so much more than what we would actually even probably pay for uh, a continental U.S. plane got fare it, that it, it really isn't worth it. And how many times a year do you fly the airline the card is on? Uh, honestly, we don't fly it very much at all anymore because uh, there's so many other uh, uh, avenues to and get Then you are flights. making the right choice to dump that card. Okay. And you already Thanks did the, the key work to protect your credit, so I would feel completely comfortable giving that card the heave-ho. If when you mm-hmm. call to cancel, they offer you the option of a no-fee Take the no fee, not just no fee for one year, but they offer to convert it to a less rewarding version at no fee. Mm-hmm. Take that to keep that card active in your credit. Okay. But other than that, throw them out. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. Appreciate it. Sure. And Richard's situation with an airline-specific uh, credit card is a very common thing that a lot of people pay these annual fees And unless you fly that airline regularly and routinely, you're wasting your money having a specific airline card like Richard's about to dump. Today's Clark Rage is something that I have been on a slow burn about for a long time. And then I saw a news report that made me even more angry. Not good for my health. So, do you know that in 20 states, if you fall behind on a student loan, you are no longer allowed to either work or, in one state, drive? They take away your driver's license? Then how are you going to work? They do that in South Dakota. How are you going to get around South Dakota without a car? 19 other states kick you to the curb for the job you have. There was an item in the New York Times about in Louisiana where there's a nursing shortage. They took away nurses' licenses to be nurses, took them right out of the hospital and said, you can no longer work because you're delinquent on your student loan. How's somebody going to pay the student loan they're delinquent on if you take their livelihood away? What about the person who dies in a hospital because there weren't enough nurses to take care of them? I am absolutely incensed about states that take away people's ability to earn a living because they fall behind on a loan. The most egregious thing with the student loans is often the paperwork is so messed up 
that someone could be current on a loan but be reported as delinquent and loses their ability to work. What in the world are states thinking? The ultimate, the ultimate, an absolute poor thinking that is just flat-out mean-spirited and hurts people. Speaking of hurting people, taking out big amounts of student loan debt eats up your future. Don't do it. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. And you want to follow me on Facebook? That's easy. Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. I shallow breathe when I talk about this. When I think about families that are one mishap away from being completely tapped out, survey after survey, no matter how you ask the question, people who are in a position in their lives where any minor emergency, there's no money to pay for it. It's depending on how the question's asked, it's usually somewhere between 40% and 50% of Americans have no breathing room financially in their lives at all. And one of the problems, going back to the 50% number, roughly half of us work at a place that has no retirement plan at all. And so people who li- who work at an employer that has like a traditional 401k or work for the federal government, they have a TSP. There's such a culture of doing those contributions into a plan that people overwhelmingly participate. But people who don't have any kind of plan, maybe work for a small employer who can't afford to set up a plan anyway, or you are that small employer and you can't deal with that in addition to running all your business, It creates these haves and have-nots where the real economic engine and growth for America is with small, new businesses, startups, whatever. I mean, that's where it happens. Big companies reach a size, they become really lethargic, they have a hard time growing, and often they're kind of shrinking in place because the ability to innovate gets corporatized. The bureaucracy overwhelms the ability to innovate. So we as a country have got to do better for our fellow citizens who are having the opportunity to work for small businesses that lead to income growth for the country and for yourself and have a chance for you to save for retirement. The state of Oregon has done the coolest thing. Oregon has set up a plan that allows you, if you work for a small business and you don't have any kind of retirement plan there, the state has set up one for you called Oregon Saves, and it's run privately with extremely low-cost funds available. So the state's not taking the money. They're just like a gateway to getting it done. And they automatically take 5% of your pay, 
five cents on each dollar, and put it in the retirement account. It is your account. It's your money. Now, you can tell Oregon to stick it in its ear and not participate if you wish, but because Oregon Saves is set up where automatically 5% of your pay is going in to your retirement account, most people just, you know, once it's happening, they just keep putting the money in. It is wonderful for small businesses that would like to offer a retirement plan to their employees but can't afford to do it. You don't have to have any cost in doing it. You just send the money into Oregon Saves for you and your employees. Bam, it's done. It's so weird because it's so smart and it's so simple. And it's a shame that out of our 50 states, the citizens of only one have an option like this. It would be great if we had a national plan that people could invest in where your money goes into ultra-low-cost companies, not the government's hands. I mean, that's Social Security. You think about it, they promise you a benefit, but there's no account sitting there with your money in it. It's just a promise that the government doesn't have the money yet to really pay This is different, and I congratulate Oregon for doing something to encourage entrepreneurship and growth of small businesses and at the same time deal with the half of Americans who don't have any money saved. Julie joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Julie. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely, Julie. How can I serve you today? Well, um, I'm in charge of our high school's um, after-graduation party where we um, host a kind of a lock-in for students um, who are graduating, keep them safe at night. And at the end of the night, if they stay the whole night, we give away wonderful prizes. And I have about an $8,000 budget, and we find that they love the electronics such as TVs, books, um, speakers, things like that. My question is, if I don't need the prizes until early June, would it pay to shop now with all the sales leading up to Christmas, or would it be better off waiting because technology changes so much? It would be smarter to wait because we'll go through several cycles of price cuts on electronics. You know, I think about uh, year by year, let's take TVs, which are the one that's, when you look at the recent Black Friday sales, that the TVs were the thing that people were really out there specifically looking for the most. The TVs that were a deal this year um, are so much more capable than the ones that were available just 12 months prior. So for you, giving it some months to run will be to your advantage. And one of the things that's to your advantage with electronics is electronics are not as popular as the weather gets better around the country, as places hit springtime. Okay. So uh, your timing will probably be very good for a lot of the electronics because what a lot of manufacturers do and retailers is they close out the old models when we move out of the cold weather season, and you'll have any of a number of very good deals that will come along. And what I'd like for you to do is go on your computer, print out the prices today that are some of the 
hyper sale items that are available right now and just file those away and then when you get to spring and you're looking to buy things you'll have those reference prices and you'll say oh 55 inch tv uh you know back during the christmas season was 300 and whatever dollars now i can get one for 200 and something or whatever you'll be able with those reference price points you'll know when something as you get out of winter will be a real deal and buy it oh great idea and you know we've got our clark deal site and we've got a number of competitors that have deal sites that you can follow the prices as you get closer to this teen event and you'll know when is the best time for you to lock in and buy on various things it won't be everything all at once okay well i appreciate your information thank you so much sure how does it work by the way do the bribes work do the kids stay they do we get um uh, each year i've been doing this for several years now and we get probably like 96 97 percent of the graduates who attend and stay till 4 a.m because these prizes are you know good prizes and who knows i mean how many kids you've kept from injuries or worse over the years Right, yeah. right. That's our goal. That is great. Good for you. Melissa's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Melissa. Hi, Mr. Howard. Oh, Melissa, please call me Clark. Okay. <laughs> That's a rule of our show is that I'm just playing Clark. I'm no Mr. Anything. Uh, it's ingrained in me. I apologize. No, that's okay. So you were in a car accident. Are you okay? Yes, everyone's okay. Thank you for asking. All right. That's the most important thing, but now you're dealing with the aftermath. Tell me what you're having to deal with. I was rear-ended, so I took my car into the shop that the insurance asked me to call in. Can you please be quiet? And um, what, Would your baby uh, rather tell the story? <laughs> He'd like to sing you a song. <laughs> oh, well, let him sing. Is he a good singer? He's two, so that just depends on your perspective. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We took our car. We took our car into the shop to get the repairs done, and the shop also has the the rental car agency right next to it. So I went to go get my rental car, and they asked me for my credit card, and I was confused because the insurance agency is supposed to pay for my rental as well, and I explained that to them. And they said it's their policy to charge $50, as, and then they refund it when I return the car. And I wasn't sure if they're allowed to do that or not, and I tried to do a quick Google, but I couldn't. Yeah, that's I, I a, actually, make- so I get to be uh, Clarkle instead of Google? So <laughs> yes. the deal is, yes, that is a common procedure. And $50 is actually a lot less than I usually hear. So usually it's $500 hold. You sure it was only $50 hold? Yes. For $50 hold, say, yes, you can hold $50 on my card all day long. Okay. (laughs) Because they're, I mean, think about it. it. It's crazy about, you think about when somebody rents you a car. Somebody lets you walk up to a counter who's never seen you before in your life, and they let you leave in a $30,000 car. Pretty weird, isn't it? Well, yeah, but they 
have insurance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I would not feel nervous about that, and I'd feel just fine letting them do the okay. hold. Okay, thank you. Sure. And how long is your car going to be in the shop for the repairs? Uh, right now they're saying five days. They're going to be able to fix your car in five days? Well, I have a really big car, and the person that hit me has a really small car. So her car was totaled, um, but my car just needed the rear end repaired. Is she okay? Yeah, she's she's okay, too. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, So the deal is, uh, is completely, as they said, and I think you'll be just fine. And I am stunned because I have never, ever heard of a body shop being able to turn around an accident vehicle in five days. So that is outstanding. And the most important thing, though, everybody's okay. And Joel, how about we do an Ask Clark here? Yeah, Clark, let's do that. Chris reached out uh, via the Ask Clark form on Clark.com, and he wants to know what's the best place to find a good rate uh, on a refinance for my house? So when you're doing a refinance, you can really be aggressive about it. Where when you're buying a home, I'm very nervous about online lenders because if they mess up, you could lose the home that you're trying to buy. You'll not be able to close under the conditions required contract. On a refi, there's really no real risk. It's really low grade. So I like for you to have a strategy that works like this. In a two-week period, you apply with as many lenders as makes sense, which would be online lenders like the ones that advertise so heavily on TV that you do so with your existing mortgage company unless you don't like them, with a credit union locally, with a mortgage broker locally, or mortgage banker. Mortgage bankers would say you should only go to them. And that you try all these different routes and make sure you are charting out what each offer is. And what I mean by charting out is the rate, and whether there are any points, and what the total closing costs will be to try to wrap your arms around what would actually be the best deal for your loan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jonathan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jonathan. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. How are you? Great, thank you. How can I be of service to you, Jonathan? Well, okay. Um, I'm 20 years old. Um, I've recently moved back into the United States. I lived in South America for eight months. 
And, really? Uh, Where in South America were you living? Cali, Colombia. Really? Did you have a good time in Colombia? Oh, yeah. I loved it. My stepmom's from there, so I got to visit them. It was wonderful. How good's your Spanish? Uh, terrible for someone who was there that long. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, sorry. Uh, it's all right. No big deal. But um, I'm just wondering about ways I could save for my future. Um, I, I just I don't want to be down the road, you know, and not have any retirement saved up. So I just was wondering, uh, is anything I can start doing now? Yeah. So are you in account? school or are you working? Well, um I've been out of school a year. I'm planning on going back to school. I'm a pre-med major. Um, so I, I guess, yes, I'm going to be going to school. Because um, in any year way. you have earned income, it's really easy for you to save money for the long haul. And thinking about this at 20 is great. Because All money, right. a dollar you put aside at age 20 is so much more powerful than a dollar put aside at age 28. 32, 40, because the way money grows over time invested, time is the most important ally you have. Okay. So when you have a job, you got money from a job, you can take money up to $5,500 in a year All right. and put it into a tax-free account known as a Roth IRA. Okay. And that's where your effort should be. Okay. Like how much so money? I can find all that on your website, right? Yeah. How much money will you have earned this year? Um, I'm going to say like probably forty thousand dollars. You've earned this year? Yeah. Well, then if you've got it, you can easily hit that fifty-five hundred dollar max. Okay. You do that. That money. Can I that that fifty-five. In one lump sum. Sorry. Can I put all that in in one lump? You sum? sure can. All right. That's every excellent. year, every year you can put in up to what you've earned in a year, but no more than 5500 And okay. so putting that kind of money in at age 20 will pay off in such a massive way because you figure even if investments do just okay over the next 40 years, your money should double roughly every 10. So could I wait till the first of the year and then one day put in the lump sum and then the next day put in another lump sum for the year? No, you got to put in money before this year's out. Okay. And then January okay. 2, you can put in another amount for next year as long as you think you'll out-earn 5500 All right. That'll work. I appreciate you. Thank you. And by the way, at Clark.com on my investment guide, yeah. Jonathan, I've got for you the companies that are my favorites for you to open one of these Roths okay. and even what type of account you should put it in. All right. Thank you. Sure. You take care. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you tuning in to The Clark Howard Show. And if you'd like more fun stuff to listen to by podcast, well, we have our Empowerment Zone. This is where you get to hear the stories of people that have done amazing things, either in overcoming hardship in their lives or things they've done to accomplish, go to Clark.com slash Empowerment Zone.